fool. I could run your business better myself. Hey. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Thursday, May 11th, 2017. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on The Dispatch, William Turton on free speech in Austria. Facebook doesn't just have to remove it for users in Austria, they have to remove it for users worldwide. And Derek Gaillot on Mother's Day. They just went too far with the innovation and it's just out of control. And Roland Bishop on online marketplaces. Steam has been rolling out what they call discovery updates. Here's the dispatch. Power. So this week, an Austrian court ordered Facebook to censor political criticism of a politician worldwide. And staff writer William Turton looked into this story. William, what's going on? So there's this really interesting case in Austria right now where a court ruled that Facebook would have to remove some political criticism in Austria. Uh, Someone called uh, a leader of an Austrian Green Party there a lousy traitor of the people, a corrupt klutz. Um, A court in Austria deemed this as hate speech and that Facebook had to remove it. And the really interesting part is that Facebook doesn't just have to remove it for users in Austria. They have to remove it for users worldwide, for everyone that uses Facebook. Um, Now, Facebook hasn't actually removed it for everyone worldwide, but uh, the court has ordered it and Facebook's appealing it. And, you know, it's not looking good for Facebook. And is that something that is okay? Like, can that just happen? I mean, I guess this can, and that's that's kind of why some of the experts on this case that I spoke to are worried about this. They think it sets a dangerous precedent where other courts with other different types of laws could then force Facebook to comply with them in this way, not just in the country where they have jurisdiction, but for all Facebook users around the world. So I spoke to Alexander Nessler, who's a lawyer representing that Green Party candidate, in Austria, and he sees this differently than you and I. He thinks that this kind of criticism is hate speech and shouldn't be allowed online. Well, first of all, the uh, content of the posting is a clear infringement of our client's rights because it's uh, pure hate speech, okay? So you and I obviously live in America where hate speech is a little bit different, and there is kind of a clearer definition of that here, and people would look at what's happening in Austria and say, that's not really hate speech, it's just someone commenting on politicians. So how does that differ there? Right. The First Amendment is one of the strongest speech laws in all of the world. I mean, to reach hate speech, it really has to be kind of some explicit bigotry, where in Europe and in countries in Europe, the law really comes down to if you're inciting people or if you're saying something that like, you know to be untrue, um, which is obviously very different than here in America, So for an Austrian court to kind of impose these really strict standards to all Facebook users worldwide, it kind of violates, um, you know, what different countries' principles and what they believe in. And it certainly violates Facebook principles. And that's why they're kind of fighting this so hard. Facebook's generally pretty willing to remove hate speech on their platform, and they'll do it voluntarily. But they have a carve-out for political criticism. They don't want to censor people who are being critical of political leaders in their own country. Um, So I think that's why Facebook is trying to fight this so hard. Uh, Nestler, that lawyer for the Green Party candidate, thinks that, you know, what we would consider mere insults are actually hate speech that shouldn't be allowed online. As as long as as you really um, make the effort to, like, elaborate uh, your criticism and put it in in a frame 
with political views of the person you are criticizing, then this goes uh, more in the direction of uh, a political criticism, which is still in order. But if if you just uh, say someone like is an asshole or someone uh, is a bitch or whore, and this is the direction these postings actually went, then this is no more just political criticism criticism, then this is just an insult, and this can't be justified by freedom of speech anymore. So obviously, this lawyer has uh, a way different viewpoint on what hate speech is and what kind of different speech is protected online than you or I, and it certainly comes nowhere close to the kind of laws that we have here in America. I don't know. If someone calls me an asshole, I'm pretty sure I'm going <laughs> to... You want that offline? That's not going to happen. <laughs> You're getting deleted, buddy. All right. Well, thanks, Will. Appreciate thanks. it. Culture. So Mother's Day is Sunday, May 14th, and brands are really all over it this year, and not in a good way. And Derek Gallo has a story. And what is going on this year? Honestly, Aaron, I have no idea. <laughs> I think that um, a lot of companies are kind of trying to break out of the traditional mold of Mother's Day advertising, where it's like, oh, you love your mom so much, buy her this necklace or something. and But they just went too far with the, with the innovation, and it's just out of control. People, companies, like, the companies I talk about are KFC, Skittles, and Pornhub. All companies that do not need to be advertising for Mother's Day. Uh, can you walk <laughs> me through what's happening in one of these ads? Like, what's sure. KFC's ad like? Well, KFC, they did a commercial, um, but really their main marketing thing for Mother's Day is a short novella called Tender Wings of Desire. Uh, The cover features this kind of like 80s looking white girl eating chicken, being held in the arms of Colonel Sanders and his like uh, white outfit has the sleeves cut off so you can see his muscles. My God, this is my fantasy. (laughs) And they did a commercial for it with this shirtless man with his hair blowing in the wind reading passages from the novella sometimes it seemed as though madeline and colonel sanders had been made to love each other and they tried to do so at every given opportunity i have never given my mother a romance novel for mother's day i don't <laughs> know if that's a thing but i was shocked as she lied in colonel sanders arms she could not help but feel as though she finally belongs somewhere, to someone. I would not give my mother a romance novel, and I would especially not give her one written by Colonel Sanders. So Pornhub also got in on this? Which I feel like they're doing a lot, like really doing extra with everything (laughs) lately. So what did Pornhub do? Pornhub has a website where you can order a Mother's Day card from them. Do you remember when Mother's Day was a date mom looked forward to with excitement? And you open it, and it has uh, VR glasses inside that you can use with their VR app. Mommy's special glasses. Because she's not just the woman that gave you life. She's a woman in her own right, with her own desires. The ads actually, the cards have these sayings on them like, um, and tell me if you would give this to your mother, okay? One says on the front, Dear Mom, may your favorite day of the year and then inside become the best night of your life. Oh my God. And then 
Another one says, Dear Mom, I hope this gift warms your heart as well as some other parts. No. It's horrible. The last one says, Dear Mom, after all these years of letting you down, it's about time you got something big, all caps, and satisfying for once. This Mother's Day, give her mommy special glasses so she can turn her favorite day of the year into the best night of her life. So, just... I know they're trying to be different and get attention, which is interesting because I think they don't really need to do advertising. But this just went a little far for me. This idea that you would give your mom something that says these messages and is also for her to watch virtual reality porn. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people have different relationships with their moms. Okay, well, so what about Skittles? Skittles is actually the roughest one. It's a commercial. And in it, there is a woman, maybe like, I don't know, in her 60s or something, sitting on a couch eating Skittles one by one. And next to her is her adult son. And every time she eats a Skittle, um, he says a color. Orange. Uh-huh. And then I, it kind of like pans back and you see that they're connected by an umbilical cord. It's disgusting. It's this like huge pink veiny tube right. coming out of her, like, sorry to do this, coming out of her <laughs> dress and like into his belly button because he's wearing like a half shirt. Oh my God. Oh mother, I'd love eating Skittles every time you eat Skittles. Every time a Skittle, they close up on the umbilical cord and every time a Skittle goes through it, it makes this disgusting rattling wet sound. It's just... The worst thing I've ever seen in my life, honestly. Uh, I miss dad. (laughs) All right. Well, this is all making me really miss the Pepsi ad. (laughs) Can we just go back to those simpler times, please? Um, We didn't know how good we had it. Really? Well, and Derek, thank you so much for this great Mother's Day gift. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. Sorry we had to talk about umbilical cords so much. future so i'm with rollin bishop hi rollin hi aaron so rollin has a really interesting story about how online video game stores are pissing off indie publishers because their algorithms are skewed in favor of larger companies that are making video games can you walk me through what's going on here rollin yeah so uh first thing you have to understand is that steam which is a digital distribution platform Uh, for PC games and other applications on computers is owned by a company called Valve Software. Valve Software is probably best known for being the developer behind games like Half-Life 2, Team Fortress 2, uh, Dota 2, a lot of sequels in there. Um, So Valve controls this digital distribution platform that almost, uh, let me walk that back, that a large chunk of sort of PC games are sold on. Like if you're selling a PC game, you want to be on Steam. So this is kind of like how grocery stores work. Like if you walk in a store, shelf space is really important. It's the first thing that you see is the first thing you're going to buy pretty much. Right. That's the idea that Steam has this front page that they populate with certain games. And the question is, which games go where and why? So what's the tension here? What's, uh, What's going wrong? 
So the tension is that Steam is basically trying to remove, or Valve as Steam is trying to remove itself from the equation. It's trying to go, look, we know we've been we've been doing a bad job of sort of explaining how this works, uh, where it works, when it works. What we want to do is eventually just step out altogether and have someone just pay us some money and you're on Steam. Um, and while that is like, okay, so how does that differentiate you from like, you know, just an app store like a Google Play or something like that that's full of shovelware, right? Um, Steam has been rolling out what they call discovery updates. There was one in 2014, and then there was an update, uh, I think it's just called Discovery Update 2.0 last year that relies more and more on these recommendation algorithms to personalize the front page. So my front page isn't going to look like your front page. They're going to be populated by entirely different games. So Steam is massive. It accounts for $3.5 billion and 15% of global paid game sales. So getting on here is really important. But it seems to me like big game companies that release video games are really the obvious contenders to get into this algorithm. So how does Steam balance that with these like smaller indie publishers that are trying to also get some play? Yeah, see, that's what's interesting. This recommendation algorithm, I kind of felt like when I was going into this piece that I thought this recommendation algorithm would support these triple A, these giant titles, your, your dooms, your praise, um, your stuff that, you know, um, the bigger developers are making. But when I actually spoke with some smaller developers, they were saying that no, previously before these algorithms came in, you would have like a guaranteed number of hits, like somewhere around a million was the number that was quoted to me. But that conversion rate, the number of people that saw it and then bought it was relatively low because there was no guarantee that people that saw your game actually wanted to buy your game. Now, once this recommendation algorithm comes in and Steam has been you know, consistently improving it, even though we didn't know necessarily what was going in, that conversion rate, according to the developers I've spoken with, has increased significantly. All right. Thanks, Roland. Thanks, Aaron. That concludes The Dispatch. I'm Aaron Edwards. We'll see you on Monday.